Um, I'm going to read you a story. So it's, it's children's time with Liam. No. So a friend of ours wrote this. This is a part of my message. But um, it's called Becoming a Son, S-U-N. But I think you'll get the analogy and I think you'll get the picture. Naomi Rock, if anyone knows the Rock family, they're down on the Mornington Peninsula. David Rock, he's been a, uh, just an awesome pastor in our city and, and uh, this is his daughter. So she's written this and, and um, her personal story is pretty cool of how she came to this. But um, So are you, are you ready? It won't take long. It's very short. All right. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, do you want to do that? That's a great idea. Story time with Matt and Liam. All right, okay. So, this is Denver, all right, and he loves the sun. It makes things look beautiful. With no light, some things just get plain weird, yet in the sun, things grow, bloom, and flourish. In the dark, the world can seem a bit creepy, but the sun always helps Denver see clearly. The rays of sun help him find what is lost and help him find his way home. It is warm and comforting and makes dull days better. One day a thought struck him. Could he become like the sun? With a lot of excitement and a touch of nerves, he asked, can I be like you? Yes, the sun responds. Right? From that moment on, some things felt different, some things felt the same. He didn't light up the way he'd hoped, especially when clouds came. It made it hard to see anything at all. Things weren't growing the way that they, he thought they should. He felt confused and discouraged. He took some time to reflect. He read about the sun, looked at it closely, and asked a lot of questions. He pondered it, mused, stretched his he- scratched his head, and then he got it. His old coat had been hiding his light, and he was like the sun. What was true of the sun was true of him too. When the clouds came, he looked to the sun and he knew they would both remain the same. Him and the sun. That's the end. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Well done. Well done, Matt. (laughs) I hope you get the picture. If you don't, as a new creation in Christ, so often we come into the kingdom and we're wearing our old coat or our old mindsets, and we're like, we are new creation, we have become new, but our mindsets are still the same, and we, don't, we haven't learned to change our mind on certain things because we've created habitual thinking or habitual habits in our life, whatever it is, you can fill in the gap. And we haven't changed our mind about one, who God says we are, two, who God is, and three, then the way we outwork the Christian life. And I'm, I, I am going to preach probably pretty passionately this morning, and this might be a, a three, four, five part series that we start. But I'm convinced that Jesus came to set people free. I'm convinced of that. And so when I, if I get a bit passionate, it's not because I'm mad at you. It's because I just really, really believe that people can live in freedom. And I'm watching our world and there's Christians and they're just not living in freedom. And so I'm going to just go after it. I'm just going to go after some things this morning. And um, I've got a lot of scripture here. So we'll see, we'll see how, um, see how many we, we go through. But I want to I tell another story and it was... Oh, I don't know how long ago, but I was, we were, you know, we'd come back from America and we'd, we were seeing incredible things happen. We were seeing people healed. We were seeing people set free. We were seeing incredible stuff, was doing camps, was doing conferences, was preaching, was doing a lot of things, running a youth ministry and it was doing stuff for the Lord. And, And the Lord, I remember going somewhere and the Lord said to me, 
I was like, man, how amazing is this? This is what's going on. And the Lord said, oh, I just, I miss you, Liam. And I was like, oh, yes. Because intimacy is, intimacy with God is the answer to your authentic life with the Lord, but it is also the antidote for the devil. Right? It's submit to God, resist the devil, and he does flee. It's a promise. But it, it comes from submission to God. It comes from intimacy with the Lord. I like to think of it like this. I like to think if the devil's flying around and he's looking for lies that he can impart to people so that they will take on the lie and shadow box for the rest of their life, then he can... Because the devil isn't the opposite of God. He's a created being. Right? Are you with me? So he has limited power and authority unless he thinks that it's you that is the problem. Then you'll shadow box and look inward and look to try and fix yourself rather than take off the old coat and put on a new one or just leave the old coat off altogether. Right, And so he's flying around looking, but he sees people. There are certain people that he sees. He says, I cannot go near them because the light of God inside them is so strong and so profoundly bright, I can't touch them. And even if I try, they just reflect the sun because they live in the freedom that I've given them, God. And it doesn't matter what's happening on the external, the internal is living in victory. Amen? Right? <clears throat> Turn with me to Ephesians 1 verse 15. Do you know that um, if you're in like criminology and you study, you know, counterfeit notes or checks or fraud or whatever it is, um, they tell you and train you not to study the false. They teach you to study the original so when you see the false, you can, you know what it is. Does that make sense? I, I just wonder how often Christians, we're studying, we're studying the false, trying to think we'll get free when we're supposed to, ref, we're supposed to look in a mirror and reflect who we've become and recognize that I carry a new nature in Christ. I'm born again. As he is, so am I in this world. I might think like that, but now I need to change my mind, not just to think the thoughts of God, but to think like God. You know, what would Jesus do is irrelevant when you carry the mind of Christ. You don't need to think what would Jesus do. You respond out of second nature. Because it's your first nature. Are you, are you tracking? All right. 1 Ephesians 1.15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Let's read that again. I pray that you give the wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Do you know there's not one time that Paul prays a prayer that he prays for you to get more of God? It's not in there. Every prayer that Paul prays, he prays, I pray that you would know the hope that you've been called to. I pray that you would understand that which has been freely given to you. There's not one prayer that Paul prays that you would get more of God. He says, I pray that you would know the hope in which you've been called to and that you'd have a revelation in the knowledge of him and that you may know what the hope that which he has called you to, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us 
who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of in the heavenly places far above all rule authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is the body the fullness of him who fills all in all there's a lot in there but turn with me to 1 Corinthians 2 have you got your have you got your um scripture shoes on because we're going to read a little bit <laughs> Oop, wrong way. All right, 1 Corinthians 2. This is kind of going to be our main verse for a bit. Just put a finger there for a moment. Why wouldn't why wouldn't God How do I wear this right? Why wouldn't God bring us into a greater level of glory than Adam when we're in a new covenant and you have Christ in you, not Adam in you? Adam and Eve were created in the image of God and in his likeness. Where did sin come from? Was it an internal problem or an external force? External. It became internal because of their agreement. So Jesus dealt with the internal problem so you could live in internal freedom. So why wouldn't he bring you to a greater level of glory than that of Adam? Well, he did. (laughs) So your starting point is his finishing point. Because that's what a good father does. He starts his children off where he finished. Because that's what it said in Ephesians 1. It says, in his inheritance in the saints. Who's the inheritance? You and I. God gets the inheritance, which is you. That's his inheritance. So he gets you, you get all of him. It's just a great exchange, right? It's just a really good deal. (laughs) But Paul says, Paul says, he says, Um, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its passions and its desires. So there's sin's passions and sin's desires. Sin is deceitful. It's not defining. Sin itself is deceitful. Genesis 3 or 4, 4, 7, it says that its sin was crouching at the door, seeking to whom it shall devour. So the first mentions of sin as a person is external, not internal. I know that we've preached this here before and I've shared this here before, but we're really going to go after this. All right? Because just like that book, you've been made into the image of God... And if something in your life is not flourishing and producing fruit, whatever it is, you fill in the blank, whether it's anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, whatever it is, whatever is, is, is robbing you of freedom is because of either a, a belief system that we've had or ha- habitual things that we've done or the devil's just got a, got a stronghold in your life, Right because of a fiery dart that the enemy has thrown and you've agreed with that or maybe there's, there's something in your life that's just been a habit, whatever it is. And I really believe this morning that God wants to come with mercy and grace and, get, and show you freedom and then take you on a journey so you cannot just know about freedom or not just have an experience of freedom or not just go, oh, what would God do in this moment? He wants to so change our minds on things that we would actually live and think the thoughts of God. We wouldn't just think like, we wouldn't just think the thoughts of God, but we would think like God. If I, we will get to 1 Corinthians 2 in a moment. If I can illustrate it by this point you know when Jesus um, is in the boat 
and sorry, Jesus multiplies the food, and he multiplies, you know, the the, the five thousand, and then he multiplies the four thousand, the four thousand people loaves of is it five thousand? Yeah, that's right. So he does the two the two multiplication of food, and then he sends the disciples off to the other side, and they get in the boat, and they start. They say, "Oh, we forgot bread." You remember this? this is Mark eight, right? You can read it yourself. So they're like, "Oh, we forgot bread." And Jesus is like, "Be aware of the leaven of Pharisees and Sadducees and King and Herod." And they're like, "Ah, oh, we forgot bread. What are we going to do?" And they start worrying, complaining, talking amongst themselves. And Jesus is like, "Did you not get it? I'm the one who multiplies bread. You've just watched me do it twice, and now you're worrying about bread, right? What I, I, if I can say this? I believe Jesus was trying to take them on a journey because every miracle, every revelation, every new thing that God unveils, everything is for you and I to have a deeper intimacy with God. It's all aimed at a deeper revelation of his love. That's all it's aimed at. So a miracle, a healing miracle, a salvation miracle, a manifestation of God's glory, that's all, God's glory is a manifestation of him. All of those point to a deeper revelation that you and I can have of his love. That's all it is, Right? So here he multiplies bread, multiplies bread. They're like, oh, we forgot bread. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh, we don't have bread. He's like, do you not understand what the point of those two stories was or those two miracles that I just did? They were to take you on a journey so you would never worry about bread again. <laughs> so the next time you, you might be like, we don't know what to do. We need to feed these guys. He's like, oh, I know what to do. Because I've got the person that multiplies bread living inside me. Is that making sense? All right, 1 Corinthians 2. Let's go there. I need a, This is just hot water, not a coffee. All right. Let's go from verse 6. 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory, for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I hope you're catching, there is a different way of thinking. The devil thought it's a good idea to kill God. God thought it's a great idea to take my son because watch what I'm about to do. If they hadn't thought like that, they wouldn't have killed him. What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared before him for those who love him. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now listen to this, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So are you receiving it slowly over a progressive period of time or have you received it? You have received it, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept these things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? We're going to pause there. I'll read the last bit in a second. So here Paul, he's unpacking. He's saying, listen, you've been given the Spirit of God, and you have everything that you need in spiritual blessings. The way you interpret and understand is not by natural reasoning. It's by the Spirit of God. 
And then he goes on, you, you, who may instruct God? He's, he's asking a question that he, he's thinking, you know, you might say, well, who can instruct God? Who can, who can walk with God in that way? And he answers it and he says, but we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. So he answers it. And he says, but we have the mind of Christ. If you go to Colossians 3 real quick, I told you we're doing some, some spiritual uh, reading, but li- li- watch, listen to this. Colossians 3.1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Set your minds on things above. The quickest way to this, I believe, is intimacy with God. A friend of ours um, who we love dearly said... Uh, If you just have language for righteousness and you never practically outwork intimacy with God, then it's like looking at a painting of a fire trying to warm yourself up. It's like, oh, well, I am righteous, but it never amounts to an intimate relationship with God that produces the renewed mind so that you think like God thinks and renew your mind so that when, like, let's just be honest circumstances are going to happen in our life, right? It's not like now you're in some, you know, uh, cosmic bubble that nothing ever happens to you, but it's the response then. You're in the boat, no bread, what do we do? I don't have to worry, I don't have to be anxious because I have the God who multiplies bread because I have my history of intimacy with God in that secret place so that the next time a trouble comes, I don't have to be anxious about it because I'm actually thinking the thoughts of God. I hope this is making sense. All right. And there's no, there's no shortcut to this. There's no like, and, and this is what I believe, that God's going to come with his grace and his mercy in these next coming weeks, and you're going to see an experience of freedom that you've never experienced before, and it's not to it's, it's not to tease you so that then you go back to your old ways. It's an invitation into, oh, I know that's possible and I can live like in that freedom, right? Because who the sun sets free is free indeed, right? This is what Jesus wants. He wants Christians that live like Christ. And he's not in heaven biting his nails over the circumstances of this world. He's not. He's not up there, worried, concerned, anxious. He's living, in a, he's living in absolute freedom. It grieves, there's things that grieve him, there's things that move him, there's things that, you know, are on his heart that are profoundly concerning. But he's like, I'm the all-conquering God. There isn't a problem or a battle that I've ever lost. <laughs> there isn't a problem. He's, it's like, you're, the, you're a child of that king. And... Uh, you were transferred from the domain of darkness. By the way, it's a domain, not a kingdom. Into the kingdom of his beloved son. All right, we're going to go one more verse if we've got time. We've got time. One more verse, and this will be our final place. Ephesians 6.10. Hopefully this will help with... All right, what does this practically look like? All right, are you there? Verse 10, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
I think often when people preach on faith and they preach on this thing, people think, oh, I'm trapped in a certain way of thinking or I'm not living in that, Liam. And then there's this checkout because it seems like it's, I've got to go home and do all this work, right? The kingdom of God operates out of belief systems. What you believe is what, how you walk out. What you believe determines your behavior. It's not the faith. It's not the faith in who Jesus, uh, let me say it this way. It's not our might that we're trying to muster up. It's his might that operates through us, right? Paul says in Romans 12 too, he says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewed mind so you can prove the will of God. So that means as a Christian, you can live in the patterns of this world. You can live in the patterns of the world of, that we live in as opposed to the world of, that God lives in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For do we not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, In the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. Having fastened on, here it is, the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given to uh, given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that and keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for the saints and also for me. We'll just pause right there. So if sin is external, if the devil's external, and God's internal. And submit to God, resist the devil, and he does flee. Is a promise and a reality that you and I can live in. What does this say? So it's the belt of truth. So that's the first one that we have. So you and I have a new armor. We have a new cloak. We have a new way of thinking. And it's called the belt of truth. So what does the belt of truth do? The truth of God changes our belief system to think like he thinks you will know the truth and the truth will set you free what is truth it's a person person his name is jesus he says i am the way the truth the life truth is a person so you've got the belt of truth you've got the person of jesus christ right? So truth isn't just a set of rules or a way that we think. Truth is a person called Jesus. Truth is a belief system that we think and walk in the way that he walked. What's the next one? Breastplate of righteousness. So you got the belt of truth, you got the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, I love it. Jeremiah talks about, he prophesies, he says, I will give you a new heart. Jesus comes along and he circumcises the heart of stone and he gives you a heart of flesh. He gives you a brand new heart. You're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Why do you wear the armor of God if the, inter- if the battle's an internal battle? You're not trying to contain the battle from getting the battles on the outside. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, and that includes your flesh and blood. The battles against principalities and powers. And I'm not a person that believes there's a devil under every rock and every doormat and everything. Oh, that's the demonic and that's this. It, it, the great, I love this story. I don't know where I first heard it, but it was like there's a story of a plane. There's rats on a plane. No, not snakes on a plane. It's rats on the plane. 
and there's all these rats and they're chomping up the, at the wire and the pilot says, do you know what? Just go to a higher altitude, all the rats will die. So they go to a higher altitude, all the rats die. That's the Christian life. There's problems in your life. You don't need to look for, oh, what generational thing was that? Guess what? The generation that you're a part of is the generation of a new creation called Jesus. So that's your daddy. He's your father. He's your generation. You're not a product of your past. You're a product of, your, of this, of Jesus, right? So that's who you are, right? So if you're not living in that, then we've got to change the way we think. We've got to believe differently and believe the truth about who you are, not the lies that are coming from the external, right? So they're external. So it's like, okay, I've got to repent, change my mind on that, believe the truth of who I am, live and then see that manifest in my life. And the best way to do it is intimacy with God. Go to a higher altitude with your father, shut the bedroom door. Okay, God, I'm so, I don't get it. My mind's racing a million miles an hour and I got this circumstance. Could you help me, father, to understand what it is? And he comes as a loving father and he goes, oh, son, daughter, this is who you're created to be. You remember that time that I was on the boat with you and I remember that time I was, I fed you. Remember that time this, remember this, remember who I am. Oh, this is who I am. And you go, ah, oh, spiritually discerned. I have the mind of Christ. Okay, I've got to change my mind. God, I'm sorry I thought like that. Help me to think like not just the thoughts of you, but help me to think like you think. It's, help is the best prayer you can ever pray, right? So you have the breastplate of righteousness, so it protects your heart. Protects your heart. Watch over your heart, because out of it flow the... If you protect your heart, you won't have to worry about what you... All right, moving on. Shoes. So you've got the gospel of peace, the readiness of peace. When Jesus healed the woman of issue of blood, he said... He said, go into peace. And that word is the word, go in and live in the peace that I have given you now. We're going to leave that there. That's a, another topic. But all right. Shield of faith. What's the next one? Shield of faith. What does he say in Ephesians there with the shield of faith? He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can ex extinguish all the flaming darts of the enemy. All of them. Without faith, is it, it is impossible to please God. It's not the faith that you muster up, it's the faith of Christ. It's the faith in who he is and who he says that he is. It's not a faith in what you can drum up. It's the faith in who he is. So the, the shield of faith, so a fiery dart might be coming towards you and you might be feeling it, you might be whatever. The shield of faith says, I have Jesus here and by faith I can extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. Not just some, all of them. That's what it, I, that's what it says in my Bible. Okay. I love you guys. I do. All right. Helmet of salvation. Why do you have the helmet of salvation? I think this is really interesting. Because when Jesus died, he didn't just save you so one day he can rescue you. He saved you as a spirit and soul and, his, and body. Jesus died a spirit, soul, body, so you can be redeemed spirit, soul, body. So the helmet of salvation is to protect you from the mindset of this world so you can live out of the mindset of God. Like what Dean said last week for those that were here, the enemy's way of, of thinking have been cut off like David and Goliath. The, his head got cut off and buried at Golgotha. Awesome. And then the last one is this, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Man doesn't live on bread, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, so God is a living spirit. He's not, a, he's not dead. He's alive and well. And so the, the sword of God is, the best analogy I've heard of this is, 
the sword that they used to use back in those days was a Roman dagger, about this long. And it was for close combat, but it was also that they would dig out arrows if they got past the shield of faith. So if a lie gets past, hits you, and you're believing that lie, and it's taken up your thought life, the sword of the spirit doesn't fight that way always. It turns itself on you and cuts out the arrow. That's what they would use it for. They would flick out the arrow. Lie got in. How do you replace it? Truth. Ah, what does Jesus say about me? I'm thinking this. Okay. I need to I need to repent of that and I need to believe the truth. What do you say about me, God? And if you hear something like, Oh, you're no good, rotten, filthy, this person, this, you're you're just a worthless worm, you're just a this, oh, you'll never amount to nothing. Guess what? You'll never live in freedom. Did God really say? Did does that sound like something? Genesis? Did God really say? Oh, guess what? Blah, 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 blah. That's the devil's voice, and that's the father of lies, whereas the father of truth comes to heal, deliver, set free, and he's extremely good. So if you have a lie in your mind that you cannot say about Jesus, then it's probably not God. Does that make sense? I'm going to do one analogy, but I just want to read this verse here. It's, I love this. It just, it's just come to mind. Psalm 76, verse 10. It says, be still. And this is really what Kylie was talking about a few weeks back. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Being still and knowing he is God, quite learning. Um, I, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but I think it might have been, Car- no, it wasn't Carolyn Leaf. It was someone else. Anyway. They've done studies that have said our creative imagination element of our mind is dwindling down because we're so consumed with information and technology that we haven't learned to be still in our own thoughts that allows our imagination and our dreaming capacity to grow. And it can grow again. If you lose it, it it's, they, they say it's like a muscle. It can grow again. And I, I believe that's why I started with this of intimacy with God is the key. Because why? You're studying the authentic one and you're being awakened to that which you have then become. You're not then becoming more like God. You're just learning who you have become and then operating because you have everything you need. And if I can do this analogy and we finish with this, but that whole thing of being still in that psalm, it says, be still and know that I'm God, and it provides a fortress. It provides that armor, it provides that protection. When we know him, we live in that place of fortress. If I can get Kylie up, because she's done this before, but bowl of dirt. Out the front, I've done this analogy before, but for those that are new with us, I'll do it again. Bowl of dirt, just, just outside the front door there, you would have all passed it. Did anyone desire to have a bite of this bowl of dirt? No, on your way in? No, not at all? Okay, why not? Um, so bowl of dirt, if I said, because the Bible says that it's its desires and its deception, so sin, it's, it has its own deception and its own desires, They're not always ours, right? So if I said to Kylie, would you like to have a nibble of this this dirt? What would you say? You good? Okay. What if I'm gone, everyone else is in the room still, and you see that bowl of dirt, would you be like, mmm, tempting? Still no? Okay. What if we're all out of the room, you're alone, no one around you, and... 
you don't have a thought. You don't just have a, like, a thought about it, but you have a desire. It's like, I desire to eat that dirt. There's a feeling, there's an emotion, there's a desire to eat the dirt. Would you still give it a crack? You'd be very concerned, <laughs> but still no. Okay, great. All right, you can sit down. Awesome. I hope you're catching it. That's The devil doesn't come with a little pitchfork, horns. Hey, guys, I'm the devil. I'm going to tempt you now. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a lie. <laughs> that's, that, that's not what he does. He, go, he tries... Right? If I don't like I don't like talking about the devil. I don't he's not worth giving credit to. But he tries, but we also the Bible says do not be you know unaware of the enemy's schemes. So, he tries to plant a thought, a fiery dart. Then he leaves you alone. And you go, "Oh man, I got a desire to worry. I got a desire to Think about that lust. I've got a desire to worry about money. I've got a desire. There's this, oh, yes, I need to work this out in my own strength. Or I need to just muster up the might. Or I need to muster up faith. Or I need to do this because, or I will always be like this because my mum and my dad and my generations and this is how it's always going to be for me. Surely I could never be in freedom, right? And the devil just sits back and goes, They'll take care of themselves. That's fine. I'm, they're done with them, right? And then the desire comes for it or the thought or the habitual thing or whatever it is and we go, oh, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm a filthy, rotten sinner. I'm a this. I'm a that. Self-talk, self-doubt, all these things start. I'm worth nothing. I'll never marry someone. I'll never do this, right? Whatever it is, these lies then creep in. And they build up over time. And God comes and he says, would you look in the mirror, child? And would you look what I say about you? Because I say you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I say you're created in my image and you look like my son. And I say the grace of God is sufficient. And I say you have the mind of Christ. And I say that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And I say I've given you the armor, the breastplate of righteousness, the word of God, the truth of God, the belt, the peace, the shoes for peace, the, the, the shield of faith. And I say you have the mind of Christ. And I say, 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 and he goes on and on. And this book is filled with the promises of who you are. They're not the promises of who you're not. They're the promises of who you are. And Paul prays that prayer. He prays, I pray that you would know the hope in which you've been called to. I pray that you would have your eyes of your heart to understand who you've been created to be. Because when that happens... This temptation of dirt just goes, I'm not a dirt eater. I submit to God. God, you created me awesome. And that thing flees. I don't need to think like that anymore. All right, why don't you stand? Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I'm telling you, church, truth is the person of Jesus. It is the intimacy with God. You can be, I can be in the same house and room as my spouse, as Shen, and never know her. Can live in separate rooms or separate beds and never know. This is just for a picture's sake. And never actually know who she is. I think one of the scariest verses in the Bible for me is, get away from me, I never knew you. And that's a healthy fear of God. 
There is no shortcut to this church. There isn't a secret formula. Well, there is. It's just intimacy with Jesus. But there isn't more, oh, well, I've got to somehow, you know, read my Bible more. Those things are good. That's still not the answer. Oh, I've got to worship harder. Also good. Still not the answer. All of, all of those things are tools that help us become more intimate with God. But I guarantee you, and I know this because of my own life, and I've wrestled with this for many years because I've preached this and people say, I've had people that come up to me, so don't, just don't come up to me and say this. Right? <laughs> um, they say, oh, Liam, but you're uniquely created. What a discredit to the maker of the universe. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm made well. Come on, you can laugh. <laughs> but so you're telling me that only those with a unique mindset can live in freedom, but those that he created also that have the mind of Christ can't? It breaks my heart, honestly. And I, I go after this stuff unapologetically because I know Jesus wants people to live in freedom. Because it's why he came. He said, I've come that I may cast sin as far as the east is from the west. I came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he said he came to do. So it's my job. About 45 minutes on a Sunday morning, I'm going to go after it. Because I believe, I believe there cannot just be one or two that live in the freedom of God. But there can be a company of people that can live in the freedom that Jesus prayed for. And I'm telling you, if we, if we give ourselves to the intimacy with him, when we come boldly, many people don't come boldly to the Father because they think he's going to smite them. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I love, I can't remember what I, who quoted it, but People who are stuck in religion, they run from God when they're in trouble. People who are stuck in relationship with God, they run to God when they're in trouble. That's what we need to do, church. This isn't a secret formula, but we need to. I'm going to pray because I really believe God's going to release a grace over people's mindsets because I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of this world, of our city, of our region, of our people being tormented by the tormentor when they have the mind of Christ. And I really believe that the, the God of grace is going to come in and just show you what freedom looks like. And then he's going to give you the tools to step it out and walk in the freedom that he's paid for over these coming days and weeks and months. And that when the desire or the thought comes knocking at your door, you can just turn and go, thank you, Jesus, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you. Show me. There is a strong desire right now. But I just thank you that I am more than this. I have been created in this. Could you show me who I am? Could you reveal the Son to me so that I can live in the freedom that you paid for? Amen? All right, why don't you put a hand on your head? And I'm just going to pray a corporate prayer. If you want ministry uh, at the end for anything at all, then some of our team will be uh, down the front and you, we can pray for healing and different things we'd love to do that and um, as Dean said last week what does the Bible say in Timothy he's not given us the spirit of fear but of love power and a and a sound mind so father I thank you right now for those that have been maybe taken captive for those that are maybe just prisoners in their mind for those that have just been living in this thing there is absolutely no guilt or shame or condemnation but you've come your hand would come now and rip them out of that you'd rip them out of that place god you'd you'd just release them into freedom and i declare there'd be a, a, a new day this would be a new day that they would be still right now and know that you are god and it would create a fortress that the fiery darts that would not ever be able to penetrate this place again the lies that people have believed would you replace it with truth right now God 
lies that where people have said, I'm not good enough. I'll always be like this. Oh, this can only be fixed by something. That this can be, this will never be fixed. Those lies, I pray right now, the spirit of grace would come and the transformation of people's minds would take place right now. Supernatural. There'd be a spirit of God that would know and talk to the mind of Christ. <laughs> the spirit of God would not be shut down in, this, in these people today, God. And in me included, God, I pray that we would learn more and more what it is to live in the freedom that you paid for. Holy Spirit, right now, just minister to people's minds. Where there's been torment, I rebuke. We're just going to take a moment. Don't leave this place. We just rebuke the spirit of lies right now. I rebuke the demonic lies in this place. I rebuke them right now in Jesus' name. Tormentor, you have no more rights. You have no more legal access. You have no more access to their minds. I cast it out. I remove it, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And would you replace it with truth, God, right now? Would you just speak and minister to them right now, your children, God? Would you minister truth? Would you just begin to whisper in their hearts that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they are designed for a purpose, that they are created for a destiny, that they have the mind of Christ, that they have the armor of God, that they have everything that they need, and they would see who they've become. And I just pray for a desire. I pray that there no longer would be the desire for other things, but there'd be the desire to be intimate with you, Jesus. There'd be a desire for that. Just like the enemy throws desires, I pray that you have greater desires, God. And there'd be a desire for the intimacy that people would be like, I don't want to watch that show. I want to get into my bedroom and, and be with the Lord. I don't want to do that. I want to be with you, God. I don't want to do that. You know, Christianity is saying, not saying no to a million things. It's saying one, to, yes, one yes to a person. When you say one yes to him, everything else is insignificant. So, Father, I pray for that desire for everyone in this room. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, can we just give the Lord a hand? Yeah, thanks. Sir.